One of my favourite definitions of the word dogma is living the result of someone else's thinking. And so what we were thinking about today's topic is actually on the media and just how much of that thinking is in our lives and how it influences us. So we've invited Maz Compton on as someone who's been in the media for 10 years. Plus. Plus. Get ready for realness. I'm real, you're real, we're all real, we're all here together. It's Collective Potential. Raw to the bone, son. Hard to hard if you don't mind. That makes me sound so old. <laughs> Jeez, Em. What an intro. Media veteran, so, Maz Compton. I'm not on AM just yet. <laughs> Far out. Deal with it, babe, you are. No, no I just started when I was like 12. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But it's better Four. than me who's walked in here from the last, what, five minutes of my life. So it's good to set you up as somebody who could maybe give us some thoughts on it too. Yeah. yeah. But an expert in quotation marks. <laughs> hey, I didn't, I didn't call you an expert. <laughs> no, I don't think you should, but thanks. <laughs> no, Maz is, a, Maz is an expert. Um, she's right. a, a good friend of mine. We have very, we've, had, we've had a bunch of lovely deep conversations. She's awake. She's an awake soul. She doesn't drink alcohol. She's, her spirit's well aligned. This is true. And yet very she works true. in the corporate spaceship that rips all our souls apart. <laughs> yeah, I do. I know. It's a real juxtaposition. In fact, over the last kind of... Well, I'm going to say two years. So I quit drinking 18 months ago and I feel like since I made that decision, I really actually do feel like a spiritually awakened human. <laughs> and I look back on um, pre-18 months quitting drinking and I'm like, oh, God, I was such a sheeple. Um, <laughs> I and love it's been <laughs> This is very real for me. I've only just decided that I'm too and decided I'm not going to do it anymore. As of really? a few hours ago, she's, still, <laughs> she's a little bit tipsy. No, nah, after a this month, last But it was drink. heading towards it. So I do like this conversation. Yeah, Keep go going. On. It's very real. Well, it's... Oh, look, it's it's a journey for sure and it, it is a tough call. But um, it's been some – the stuff that's come up in my media life, let's call it my media on-air persona, on-air life, hmm. that I never imagined kind of, I guess, considering or tackling or changing my views on, but it's come up because of this spiritual awakening that I've had. So I do – it's quite interesting where I'm at with how I feel about this media bubble that I'm really grateful and thankful to be a part of, but I also hate it now. <laughs> can you it does can you my just, head in? Can you just give me a few? What's your bubble? How do you define that? Um, your so media the bubble, bubble is this, right? I have somehow managed to forge a career out of doing stuff that no one gives a shit about and it doesn't matter. So when I do a radio show... But you're very good at you're very good at having a great old laugh with old Dan. Thanks. I do. Well, you know, uh, who doesn't love a lol? But I, I really <laughs> have managed to, like, stick around in media for 10-plus years and it's doing stuff that I look back on and I'm like, okay, well, what have I got to show for my 10 years in media? Like, I've got a list of cool celebrities that I've interviewed... I've got some showreel footage. Got some really cool stories, actually. Got some great stories. Got some great stories. But I didn't save any lives. I didn't really change the world. And Mm. I feel like now I'm in this position where I've got this purpose to my life, this newfound purpose, and I've got this platform. So let's marry those two things together, which is something I never considered. Can you put um, for all of the years that I was training in, just re- you know, just learning rewind. the craft? In, in a little bit, I feel like anyone that has a public voice does change the world in a way, one way or another. Surely, like because it influences people, though. So you can't really write that one off, could you? True. And the other day we did talk on the show. Um, we asked people to call up if they've been rescued by Batman, and I do feel like that was maybe. <laughs> One of the things we'd ever asked Australia. So, <laughs> can you put a sort of your the purpose into words, or is it sort of more of a feeling or a intention? I think if I have mm, to define question. it for you, um, I feel like my purpose is to um, empower people by sharing great stories. If that's right. a very broad. I guess, umbrella headline mm. of what I feel like I'm meant to do on this planet now. Right. So 
sharing stories through the medium of, you know, either radio or online, which is the world that we all live in now, mm. and sharing stories um, much like what you guys are doing, having conversations that will empower people, that will teach people that want to be taught, that mm. will educate people in a way that our system doesn't. It will, um, you know, sh- show vulnerability, shine a light on the bullshit, mm. um, call people out who need to be called out, that mm. kind of stuff. Mm. I think it's really interesting awesome. how you said, uh, like, teach people that want to be taught because it's not like a dogmatic thing of, you know, you need to listen to me. It's just uh, for us and Collective Potential, talking from my perspective anyway, it's just having these conversations and seeing what people do with it, what they take away. Um we don't want to tell people what to do. We just want them to talk to others and create their own thing, create something new. Mm. And well, I think what I've learned over the years about people, and really I guess I have been in the business of dealing with people um, for a long time now, and a lot of people are dickheads and they, <laughs> oh, they finally, do not want to it. listen. And you ca- like, You're not talking about us, are you? No, you no, guys. <laughs> well, spend a little bit of time with us. Sometimes we can all be a dickhead. No. <laughs> um, if somebody doesn't want to be taught something, you cannot teach them it. So Can't I've learned now to just move, like just move on through, you know, mm. like the bus doesn't have room for passengers, so either get on board or piss off. <laughs> Tell me, um, you call it um, an awakening and waking people up. Yeah. I know that we get that because we're very conscious and awake. <laughs> we meditate. Yeah, but I'm, yeah. I'm a little Eat bit, organic. you know, I'm the girl from the burb, so I want to hear from your perspective. What do you mean you've awoken? Um, Give me I, like tangible. What does that look like in your life? You went from the bubble of media to what? I think I feel like I use a part of my brain that I never had access to before. So I don't know if it's this, maybe awakening isn't the right word. Maybe I've just developed a filter on things that I now um, use. I have access to this filter on stuff Mm. where um, I don't worry about stuff that isn't important anymore and Mm. I do focus my attention on um, fighting for things that I do believe are important. And I don't think I had that consciousness years ago. It's probably a combination of the awakening and a bit of maturity. Mm -hmm. Um, And also I think um, as we go through life and we get broken and we have war wounds and scars and we heal from them, we learn lessons along the way and we carry all of that ammunition with us in our soul. Mm. So I guess in a way, yeah, it's this filter where I do just look upon things a little bit differently. Does that kind of shed a bit of light? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'd love that. And I'd love to know that what the what that journey looked like to, you know, like it's a, it's a constant journey, isn't it? Like it's a continual mm. journey of further, further widening your peripheral and further getting a fatter envelope of, of compassion and understanding of things. But like, was there a significant period in your life over how long and what happened? What, what was was there a turning point the way yeah, you, you just started cracking and going, "What the fuck? What the fuck?" Breaking through. Yeah. So I think um, the well, my I've had like a few tragedies along the way. Mm. Um, well, you know, like li- life happens. Like I I married the wrong person, which was a bit stupid. Um, and I think a divorce is something that really can rock your soul. I think it's actually a place that a lot of people don't fully come back from Mm. um, as far as, you know, reopening their heart and trusting and loving again. So, you know, there are a couple of significant things that happened, I think, to my heart and my soul where I kind of put these walls up and became more focused and determined on – being someone and getting everyone's approval and outside acceptance and being successful and getting the drive show and ticking all of these boxes. Mm. And all that really was, was a great fat distraction from the inner pain that I was still carrying. Right. So when I finally, I think, just looked in the mirror and saw just, this just really... To, sorry, just to touch on that a moment, because just to give people context, it's mm. like getting the drive slot for a national, the, the biggest network in Australia yeah. and getting the drive spot for it is like, it doesn't get any bigger than that. Yeah, and that's a pretty big um, tick yeah. on the career. Does that make and then like Sydney Jordan. Breakfast on top of that. Yeah, and, yeah, and then to go to Sydney Breakfast. Yeah the, the, yeah, the drive show really was like, okay, girlfriend, like you've smashed it, now... 
do you want to take a look at yourself and do you want to figure out why the fuck you're actually doing it? Don't you right. That was sort of what I went through. That right. reminds me, like, why that resonates with me because, you know, we get told that um, once we get this thing, everything will be better, we'll be happy. Nah. <laughs> nah. Nah. And that's what I'm curious about, like, even media. Who told you? You've got, oh. like, I say to people, we're recording this podcast at Oz Stereo and they're like, wow, that's amazing. And I'm so obviously privileged, have to say that. Thank you for letting us do it here. But it's. Oh, they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. Uh, and this is an Osterio. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think. We'll it's, edit that out. No, we'll no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but there is such an, uh, again, that influence that media means that you're going to be famous, Maz. And when you get famous on drive show, you're done. Yeah. Well done. It's funny. Hmm. Like I, on it's, the whole fame it's thing, it's really interesting. I've ne- ever since I was, so I've wanted to work in media as a broadcaster from the age of 15. I wrote in my journal. Um, actually, I wrote when I was 15, I want to be, I want to host TRL on MTV in Australia. Yeah, yeah. And in 1995, that didn't even exist. And then in 2004, that was my first job on TV. Amazing. So I'm really good at manifesting stuff. I'm really, well, you know, as far as like setting goals, it was pretty much be on MTV, do a national drive show, do Sydney breakfast, and I'm kind of done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and But n- my motivation was never... Fame, that's actually never ever been a goal. Um, fame is this weird, like, thing that's a byproduct of what happens when you're thrown into this spotlight because apparently it's cool, or because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do, like, I've never really worked it out. And I still get weirded out if somebody comes up to me and they do a double take and they're like, Are you Maz? I'm like, Yup. Like, and I, yes, it's like, <laughs> it's weird. It's like, and you are, and it's okay. We can have a conversation and I'm just a normal human. Mm. Like, I, you know, mm. I eat and I sleep like I'm not a robot. I'm not, mm. I did touch Matt Damon on the hand, but it's okay. I'm still a normal person. <laughs> oh my God. And so this concept of fame, I really, it's just a bit of a bizarre one. And I, because I do know people that work in this industry and their only motivation and their only goal is the fame. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when you get into trouble. When you – because it's 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 undefinable. You, you can't yeah. – because you know what? Aaron Barrett, to me, is almost the epitome of fame. Now, he's the lead singer of a punk a ska band from Orange County, California called Real Big Fish, who yeah, I was yeah. obsessed with when I was a teenager. <laughs> so for me, when I met Aaron Barrett, I lost my shit because I'm obsessed <laughs> with this band and they're, you know, and you're probably sitting there going, Maz, who the hell are Real no, Big Fish? No, I know Real Big Fish, yeah, I love them. Oh, you do. Of course Jez does. Um, but, We're like, cool. so to me, that is, that's fame, right? Because mm. I attach his superstardom and those songs that I grew up with and I listened to and I rock out to and I learnt all the dances to, whatever. <laughs> Didn't like know that I, dances, but yeah. Well, scar dancing, <laughs> you know, yeah. we've all done it once. Yeah. That to me is fame. But for somebody else, that means nothing. So so the concept of fame is insane. Entirely in subjective, but also, but it's, it's, isn't it, it's a, yeah, it's an intangible thing, but it, I, I get... It's so unreal, you know, like it's this, it's kind of like this false construct in media, like this um, build, building blocks that aren't real. Like it's all, it's all a projection of someone's personality or a projection of something or other. Like um, when you're saying fame, are you, are you talking about yeah. like how many people know you or it, like what's the sort well, of that, measurement? I don't know. What is, is it? The- is fame a million Instagram followers? Is fame willing, winning a Nobel Peace Prize? Is fame um, writing a Grammy-winning song as a producer but not being the performer? Like, I don't even know what fame is. I don't, I don't actually know if anyone actually knows. We just know that there's this, like, elusive concept of this intangible thing that people do insane things to attain, mm. and then when they allegedly get there, some of them die of drug overdoses – some of them beat up their wives and people, for the most part, I, I see the, the way the pop world machine works. It spits out these really like shit humans making bad decisions and they're meant to be our role models. Yeah. And that to me has never been something that I've wanted in my life. Uh, um, so I yeah. think that, like the idea of fame ruins most people. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I don't know if you guys have, I've heard this um, interview with Jim Carrey from years and years and years ago where he said 
it was like one of the first, you know, like big blockbuster movies that like put him on the map. It put him on the radar. It's like, okay, you are now a Hollywood celebrity. And he bought this eight bedroom home and he, so he like bought this home, the house, like the settlement went through on the house and he just had this moment where he was sitting in an eight bedroom house all by himself and he was depressed. And he was like, I'm meant to be, this is it. This is the thing that everybody wants to have, that everybody thinks I have, yet I'm empty and I'm mm. lonely and I'm sad. Mm. Like, so, because, like, that, so it's is a, that fame? So like, it's a false idol, like it's an illusion, right? Isn't it? I think it's, so. It's like recognition. And then if I was to be metaphysical, spiritual, or just plain right, you know, human, we just need to be seen, right? And so this unconscious maybe belief of I need to be seen, that person's being seen, they belong, everyone's following them. So maybe I need to have that kind of status or doing that kind of stuff that that kind of people that I'm into follow me and see me. And so before you know it, you're caught up in it. Like I've got a friend, I don't know about you, but she's amazing. She does amazing social entrepreneurial stuff. But we had this discussion about our goals where we wanted to be, and I, much like your yours, man, I want to. I want people to be able to tell their stories and you know wake up from them and you know know that it's part of who they am. It's not really about acceptance, but mm. it, she said, "Well, I want to be famous," and I was like, "Surely Ugh. you can't say that," <laughs> you know. And I was like, "Yeah, seriously." I was like, "I feel like I need to, as her ten years her senior, tap her on the shoulder and go, hey, you're doing great stuff in the world.' Like she's really being recognised, it, but." She her focus is fame, and mm. that's what I think. When you're saying that, what is it? I actually just think it's the need to be seen. Well, what about yeah, that's interesting? Um, and belong. And Can see. I share a story, please? please. I'd love you to. Um, so, I've never met Oprah, but like, I, I totally want to. I have. <laughs> have. Are you joking? Yeah, I had a meeting with her. Shut up! <laughs> Shut up! So I told how you like real big fish. I got to sit with Oprah. I lost it. And see, no, I would not even be able to get in the door without me, like hysterically I'd, crying. I'm, I'm still, and I'm still in it. <laughs> what did you talk to Oprah about? What did she smell like? <laughs> did she touch her? Are you shitting me? Have you really met Oprah? I did meet Oprah, but yeah. again, if we're talking about fame, yeah, this is interesting that's come up. Um, would you believe Bono asked her to meet me? No, I wouldn't believe that. Well, I did. But then <laughs> this is the bizarre thing of I... Who are you? <laughs> I'm just a girl. She's Australia's Oprah. No, no, she, no she just ran, she ran a festival that Bono was at and then um, when she, she was out, I think... That's not a normal out. sentence. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and Bono did say um, uh, Oprah's... Um, Does it make still, poverty history? Yeah, I ran the Make Poverty History concerts. I've uh, run youth organisations and social campaigns that really make a difference in international waters, let alone um, Australian um, social impact. And at the time, it was re- uh, Bono really thought that I should meet Oprah when she was here in the country because it was a dream of mine, as my social sector called me the Oprah Winfrey of Australia. But I used to be really caught up in wanting to be Oprah Winfrey of Australia, again, the fame. Yeah. When really, you know, if I'll bring it back to the topic, it's, you, know, you know, I'm so into Oprah because of her values. She believes yes. in human connection. Mm. And so she's do not I. into mm. all of the other stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, that's questionable. So Well. But but let's go back to your story, Maz. <laughs> so sorry, I have so many questions about Oprah. We'll get to it later. <laughs> no, I think so, it's perfect for what we're talking about. Like yeah. we just said. Yeah. Um, who do you love? Who do you idolise? And all of a sudden he's is she a great role model in fa- in when it comes to fame? I don't know. Oh, she's she's a great teacher. I'd put, 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 I like calling them teachers more than role models because role models sure. suggest a bad thing. I think. Mm. But the story. She, she's at the top of my list. I have a um, like a picture frame on my bedside table and in, inscripted inside it says, Oprah wasn't built in a day. <laughs> um, now, awesome. so, okay, my Oprah story is I went to, she did this like, Tour, this speaking tour last year. Oh, yeah, we went to that. We went to that. Oh, too. did you go? So, okay, oh, yeah. so you probably know the story that I'm going to bring up, but um, I loved this story. She said how she uh, did this interview with Beyonce, and so on the on the show they taped the show. Yeah, so it wasn't live, and so they do this interview, and then after the interview, Beyonce like puts her hand over her microphone and looks at Oprah and was like, "Was that okay?" And Oprah's sitting there going, you're freaking Beyonce. Like, yeah, yeah. And her point was, 
all everyone needs is, have you heard me and am I okay? That's right. And if you can get that from the person sitting next to you, whether it's Oprah or not, I think that that, that's the acknowledgement that people seek out and it gets escalated to this level, I think, where then fame interferes. So do you think that fame is looking for that I'm okay externally? Yeah, totally. And And I think we've got to start in the mirror. Mm, mm, 100%. 100% have to, um, but yeah, Emma was about to interject and what she said that about all these other people as well, like it was a very common. Even Obama mm, said it to her. Yeah. It was a common, no matter how much fame or fortune they had, they still asked those human questions. I if love Oprah that. ever interviews mm. me, I'm never, I'm not going to ask her if I was going to, if I was okay. You just, I'll you, be like, you lean over I and go, kicked that in the was dick, okay. didn't I? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. And I'm going to call her O. Oh. <laughs> And then I will be escorted by security. <laughs> but a great out and a great story. Um, no, that's so true, isn't it? Like, and, and that's what we, I suppose that's what we all, like that's what maybe the, the construct of media is, is, is doing this thing to us. Is, is like, well, what is, is doing that we can be sure is, is exasperating the worst part of ourselves. There's also a yeah. thing with any advertisement, it's basic message is that you are not okay. If you buy this, you will be. Yes. So that's something you watch TV, you walk down the street, doesn't matter if someone's selling you orthopedic shoes or something that's actually good for you, vitamins, whatever. It's You're you're not good unless you have my product or you won't be fulfilled. So in that sense, we're constant. We're continually being bombarded by you're not good enough. You're not good enough. So it's making us the population mentally ill in without a doubt. Even if you think you are okay, you're constantly being asked to question it. Like, even if you are sane and you feel like, you know what, I'm intact, I'm good, I feel stable, like I'm having a good one, Mm. it doesn't take, you know, it doesn't take long for you to walk out of your house or jump online or see a TV or whatever for you to actually question that and go, oh, shit, am I okay? Do I need this thing? Am I missing that thing? Yeah, it's crazy. And that's, I suppose, I mean, that's what, I mean, for me, I needed to, I mean, M does this and Roy does it. We all do it in our own ways, but like having ritualistic morning practices where we essentially love ourselves um, yeah. by by just like being like, man, I, I, I go through the process of like doing the Wim Hof breathing and then I meditate for 20 minutes and then I surrender my fears and want it desired. You're like, we ask to embody peace and love and then um, be give thanks. Um, and that procedure unravels my true self and fucks off all the shit. And then yeah. so I go about my day in a much more conscious state. And and you, we always get bombarded and we get side banged or if we get side banged, you know, we always get, wow. you always get side banged. I'm not, I'm not getting there, but I no, wish no. I was. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been side banged. I, I had to say it, come on, we had to take it there. Yeah, but like, you know, like t- t- curveballed or whatever else it's called. You know, I'm... I'm um, We'll go down, keep going down this path. I'm sure we'll come back out. But my greatest fear, right, and I'd be interested for you guys, is centred around I've um, run workshops for teenagers. So I think I would have worked with over 300,000 um, for a period there of teenagers and um, adults amongst them. And we were running workshops. And when I first started the workshops in 1998, we were doing this like awareness workshops, like really educated kids. And we're trying to do it. So it was using pop culture, like we'd use music when they'd come in and, you know, no one was doing that. And we'd use uh, Eight Mile and find the message in why why he could get up. (laughs) But, you know, like this is what we thought was the coolest lessons, right? Well done, youth workers. Um, (laughs) But it worked, you know, like we had 60,000 teenagers come through a year and for a youth wow. organization well it was pretty good I thought yeah. that's awesome that's um, reach yeah. that was reach yeah and at the time though it was quite cutting edge it was for me but it was for the schools and but nowadays there's so much awareness around the contributing factors of media to your um, persona to who you are that my greatest fear is that it's just not going to get through anymore, like how bad it's going to be for younger people. You know, I'm turning into a bit of a grandma with my fear mm. of that how much the media is infiltrating people's lives mm. and mm. I'm actually really sad about it. Yeah. You know, I get really – I get I'm vict- I become a victim to the media. I'm pissed off about it. Oh, man, I feel you know? So I'm just curious about what you think is your greatest fear around what the – how media influences? I don't know. Or, or could I, could I divert that question to like, what sure. do you think is the right 
media influencer that makes it exciting for the um, for the general masses, but then has a cut through message or a seed like from, you know what I mean? I do. I really like the school of life. Uh, Oprah's Oprah's that like right. yeah yeah the school of life. They co- sort of combine education with information, so it's not just. Um, there's a video they have and they're talking about, you know, all these stars like Taylor Swift and Bieber or whatever. And he's like, pop, pop works for a reason and entertains. That's why people watch it. So how do you make things that are good for you entertaining? Mm. Mm. So I think there's play, things like that coming online at the moment, but then there's also Pokemon Go. Mm. Where I, I work in a cafe and there's like, you'll go there and there'll be tables of six people on their phone catching Pokemon. Mm. You're, like, you're going out at a cafe, like, look at each other. That's talk, insanity, like. yeah. But, I mean, for me, Russell Brand was the, is a great example of that because, I, I mean, like, I feel like he had such an, anarchist nature and yet had such a great message that it was, he was probably the most relevant person on the planet for a period of time in terms of what, where I feel like our evolution as a species is going. Um, f- for his message and um, for his re- relevance to mainstream pipes, you know, being front page of the newspaper, like a week in a row around the elections in the UK, like it's, yeah, it's it's people like that. I feel like excite me because they re- really are using their influence to impact people in a very positive way. I feel like I don't know. I think we need to strip everything back. So right. Like we we live in the information age. It's like that's literally the era that we're in now, hmm. and there is so much information about so much stuff. Um, and I'd say ninety nine percent of it we don't need to know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think we need to. I mean, as far as what you were saying, Em, about teenagers or you know people in their early twenties, the next generation, we need to somehow get this message across to them that it's okay to simplify stuff. So I feel like these, these I'm going to call them kids, which does make me sound old. I'm only it? a but little bit my, offended. These humans yeah. who are younger than I <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. Um, are attached <laughs> to their phones. Like, you look at grandma. <laughs> They're attached to their phones. It's the extension of their, their arm. And th- they are constantly seeking out what we were talking about before, that mm. uh, am I being heard, am I okay, which is why 15-year-olds are taking pictures of their tits and putting them online to get likes, to get uh. attention, to get affirmation, right? Mm. So they're, they're just seeking out what everyone is all, all seeking out. We just do it with the platform that we grew up with, you mm. know? Mm. And so we just need to somehow get this message to them that it's okay, like you, you're just as human as everyone else. You're seeking the same two answers that everyone is seeking and there's a better way to do it mm-hmm. and somehow get back to this idea of moral compass of right and wrong of just simplify shit get it take it back to the 10 commandments don't kill people <laughs> don't sleep with your best friend's wife don't be a fucking idiot like <laughs> simplify stuff you know and have some level of dignity about what you do mm. i think where i've seen this massive shift is i, I try and um keep my I guess my digital profile in a sense that if it's not something I wouldn't say to your face, then I wouldn't put it online. That's sort of my boundary, I suppose, yeah. on um, on how I, I am on my Instagram and Facebook accounts and stuff. And somehow I feel like that has definitely been lost where mm. people find this digital space and it's like, oh, I'm going to be this like insane maniac <laughs> online, but I would never dare treat another human like that in the flesh because yeah. there's a level of accountability with it. Yeah. So somehow I think that, that these messages mm. are getting lost and we, it, I think it's our responsibility to somehow educate and and sort of hand that baton over of getting it back to you guys. Like, pull your head in. Like, where's your moral compass? Mm. It's okay. You don't have to have seven Snapchat accounts. It's mm. not that important, you know? Like, and I guess also having a conversation about something that really is important, like we're doing today, mm. doesn't leave any room for the unimportant stuff that can creep in when people yeah. are bored. Yeah, yeah. Is it too that, like, as we said earlier, we were talking about also how. Also, I just people- caught a squirtle, just FYI. What's, wait, what? <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's on Pokemon Go. Oh, right, right, right. You're going during the podcast. Um, <laughs> we were talking about earlier where it's about people won't learn unless they want to. And I guess it's showing n- that it's kind of fun to talk to people. People can be cool. Um, yeah. And 
you know, like people come to collective potentials workshops as I did and they realize you can get a deeper level of connection with someone and they you realize it feels good. Mm. I think that's what people need to learn that feeling isolated, being on your phone, like it's an illusion of happiness and not, it doesn't really, you know, it's like trying to eat the menu. You can't eat the menu. You look at the menu and then choose the food, but it's the food yeah. you eat. It's I the think real illusion thing. is a really good word that mm. you've used there. Like mm. I remember um, someone that I work closely with. <laughs> <laughs> Dead giveaway on who I'm talking about. <laughs> um, I have never seen a human more excited about ret- being retweeted by J.K. Rowling. Like that's pretty cool, though. But it's pretty cool. It's cool. But my response was, "Do you feel validated now? Yeah, because yeah. this is a person that you don't know, you've not met, and they, and you've had a social interaction with them on a digital platform." for one millisecond, but it, you would think it was like top 10 life moments. And so I, I feel like that's an illusion of validation and importance, mm. you know? Mm. I know you, like Jez works really closely with some pretty famous people like or people that are well known. What's been the weirdest reaction you guys have seen of like someone melting down from seeing someone famous, if you've got any? Um, oh, I mean, you just get it all the time. On red carpets, I suppose, is where I'm most privy to seeing how fans respond to stars. <laughs> and I'm in that weird middle ground where I'm not the star. Like, I'm the facilitator of the story. So you've got Channing Tatum and Joe Manganiello on a red carpet for Magic Mike 2. I'm hosting the red carpet and the Q&A for half an hour with the lads. Hot. And then there's all these, like, screaming gay guys and women. <laughs> and uh, and probably straight guys. Actually, I retract that last statement. There's nah. just screaming men and women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's bizarre. And they ask – they I get asked all the time, oh, can you, um, can you give Channing Tatum my number? I'm like – Yeah, I'll make it my utmost priority. <laughs> sure. Like, yep. Of course. You know what I mean? Like, what am I supposed to say? Like, it's so... And, like, do you really think he's going to call you? The guy's married with kids. Like, do you get that this is just his job and he can dance and he's attractive, but he's a human and he doesn't give a shit about you? Yeah. Like, it's just insane. It's total insanity. It's mental illness. It is a bit... It is a bit insane where I think people have stars... on, on a pedestal. And I know I joked earlier about being a, a bit obsessed with Oprah. And, <laughs> yeah. and in, a, like, in a way, I do. I have that fandom with um, – there, there's a handful of people who I, I would be intimidated to meet, I think, because I respect them so much. I would hope that I would keep my shit together and keep it in check and it would be a pleasant experience for the both of us if we met. Um, but I, I don't know – I mean – I just don't know what to say to those people when they ask me to do weird things. You know, it's like I, that. And generally, these days, it is just, "Can I get a photo? Can you can you send them over because I want a photo?" I don't, I don't know what that means or how important that is for their shrine over their bed or their ego wall on Instagram. I'm not really mm. sure. But again, I think it's just validation. It's like mm. I met someone famous. Cool. Well, what did doesn't you- mean you're a better human than you were five minutes ago, does it? No, yeah. Well, what, what did you respond like? What was it Aaron Barnett from Real Big Fish? What did you, what did you do? Um, so, well, we, the first time I met Aaron, um, we, I was interviewing him. So, I guess I've always been. It's weird for me too, right? Generally speaking, when I meet a celebrity, it's because I'm on the clock at work. Yeah. So I I go in. I go to work. I frank on at the franking machine, and I go and interview five celebrities, and I frank off like it's my job. Yeah. So I I get to meet people in this really like, um, I guess calm professional environment. Yeah. And so there's this level of professionalism where I'm like, hey, huge fan of yours. Uh, do you want to have a chat for 10 minutes and record it? And then we'll probably play a minute and a half on the radio because that's what we've got time for. But thanks for coming to Australia, you know? Yeah. So I'm always, I'm never in those raw situations where I've camped out for six days in the pouring rain to meet a celebrity. I just yeah. get to meet them. Yeah. So you never really bugged out on him? I think nah. there's an element too of... Um, <laughs> Classy, Matt. It's classy. Uh <laughs> I always believe that, you know, I think I said it before even with, about Oprah. The reason I loved her and, and I did get awkward when I was speaking to her because I was just in awe. Is, yeah. It's the, what is it? You know, the traits of the greats. Like you're not really trained to think that there's something about that person. They have a trait or a value that mm. 
they symbolize um, and we actually are attracted to their integrity or yeah. their um, talent, yes, which yeah. underneath the talent is actually like it does it, people think it's good looking, but it's also achievement. Like they've, they've made an achievement to be in a, to be in a celebrity. And so, yeah. you know, there's almost the trait of the great behind what they're doing. I think it's, it's probably an age thing. Yeah, it is. It's, it's an, an idolization. I did that with Mark Hoppus when Blink-182, my favorite band growing up, and then they pulled me backstage during a concert and gave me, Mark gave me his bass. I was just crying from the get-go. <laughs> of the wow. I was tearing up from when... That is a cool moment. And like, yeah, that was... That was really cool. It, it was because I did a radio show and he liked the radio show because I was interviewing his support band. Um, and then during the show, he saw me in the front row singing along every song. And it was like 8,000 people in the stadium and not in a minute. England and then yeah security guard pulled me Mark pointed at me and like said come back at the end of Damn It which is our last song and then yeah I was just crying for like 15 minutes before because oh, wow. I just felt like this is incomprehensible this is way beyond my control and it was, and then yeah they bring me into the dressing room I was like I just want to give you my base as a token of appreciation oh, for your support over the years incredible and love what you're doing of your radio show that's and then, amazing yeah and then travels in the corner Tom and th- that's <laughs> when I was bugging out like I didn't even ask for a photo or anything I was just like crying and overwhelmed and just a mess and then like cut forward to like like a year ago when I really wanted to work with Russell Brand and, and I ended up meeting him and we had a, um, I felt extremely calm. And I think yeah. that was largely to do with, um, I suppose, just a, a, a stillness I had in myself. I think when you when I was younger, and that's why I can relate to, when, when we, had, we talked to Justin Bieber that one time and he was just talking about how he doesn't, like off mic, how he just finds people's fanaticism with him weird. so uncomfortable and so yeah, weird, and he's starting to more and more react be. to it, um, which is like biting the hand that feeds him. But he's 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 a breaking point because he's just like this is just not real. And yeah. while it, while we all have our problems with him because he, he behaves a bit like an idiot, um, you, you feel for him a lot in the sense that of the insanity he's being fed. Um, yeah by his reality like he just knows that reality isn't real and he's starting to go this is fucked this is fucked just have a old talk to you but you got to just not talk calm like a, yeah calm the fuck down calm your farm. If, if somebody said to you right i'm going to make you as famous for what you love as just as um bieber as bieber is would you take the fame so, so wait fame for what you love no so he's a musician you're yeah. you're not so the thing that you love right and you're going to be just as famous as he is would you say yes to that wish? But I, don't, oh. I don't think you can make that analogy, though, because for me it would be famous for reaching lots of people and helping them, mm. but that's not fame for fame itself. See, because right. for me it would be air hockey, and I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, yeah, okay, take out of him what you love. Did you want to, would you... Would you want to be as famous as him? I wouldn't. You couldn't pay me to put myself in that position. That would, okay, it depends, right? It, it depends yeah. on how my mental well-being would yeah. be. If yeah. I'm sound, then I'd be up for it, yeah. I was yeah, going to say, I just, if, no, it I depends. Wanna, I wouldn't if, even want it. If I was in a situation where I had a sound mind and, and an incredible message of hope yep, exactly. and I could be privy to influence that many people and infiltrate that many hearts yes. for good. Yes. And I got your back, Mads. Get up there on that. Which, greater good. Which, which is why we love Oprah. Like, let's have a... Yeah, like, if, actually that, if that's what's on the table... Have impact. And, yeah, totally different then story. Then yes is the answer. Do you, do you have to get... Because fa- I was thinking of Russell Brand and how he got famous through doing being in Hollywood and then doing movies that weren't very, you know, um, reaching people's hearts... But great movies, and he he kind of got known as that weird guy that wore funny clothes, big hair, and then he kind of had mm. this shift. But do you need to sort of get into Hollywood with that um, mindset? Or can you do what I really respect Lord for that reason. Like straight away, she's a seventeen-year-old girl, and then she goes into the media. And even though she was played up so much, she still sort of had this like, I guess, humility about her. Yeah, so I, guess she she's def- an example I feel of that. like she mm. stayed has stayed very grounded and very. Um, integrous. Is that a word? I like it. Yeah. Do you need to be famous mm. in order for, I guess, the other things to unfold? I don't know. I think there's people, again, we're coming back to this whole idea of what even is fame and how famous is famous. Like, hmm. I don't know if you guys have heard of a guy, um, his name's Joel Houston. Okay. Mm. Now, he is, yep. he's the rock star that you've not heard of, and that's because he 
is in a band called United and they are a part of a church movement called Hillsong. Oh, yep. yeah. Now, say what you will about Christianity, religiosity and Hillsong, that's fine. That's not up for debate right now. No. This guy has written incredible music that is loved by millions of people around the world and he has a shit ton of cash and he's not quote unquote famous. He's not on the front cover of Rolling Stone magazine, but his albums and his music have been charting for over a decade Mm, and I don't think many people know that. So as far as like, you know, is, is he... Is his message of hope getting out to millions of people? 100% yes. Yeah. Did he have to, I know you didn't say this, Ryan, but did he have to sell out in order to get the platform then in order to get the message out there? No, he didn't. He just stayed in his lane. He stayed true to his purpose and his own beliefs, whether you agree with them or not, is kind of irrelevant for, for the story that I'm telling. Mm-hmm. He has, he did, he did what he did and he stayed in his lane. So... I guess everyone's path and everyone's journey is going to be different on that one. And I I think it's cool that everyone's path is different. So for Mm. some people, you you know, like Russell Brand's story is so unique and and it it could only be played out the way it played out because it's his journey and story. And I I think everyone's individualized path, like there's no formula to this shit. Yeah, like there is absolutely like we are not going to crack the code on fame today, my friends. If I just feel like (laughs) there is no formula to it, and I I love that. I love that I know Joel's story because it kind of proves that there are other stories out there. We just see the ones that we choose to see. We see the ones that we're exposed to because of the things that we're into, and you know. And and I love that I know Joel's. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's so cool. It's so many different stories. And I think yeah. when it comes to having this podcast, like we're not going to crack the fame <laughs> code here today, but I am curious about all of our passion towards this topic comes from just, I don't know, media has an influence on us. Hmm. And, you know, whether it's our listeners, the reason why I'm doing this, having this conversation today is I'm really curious about, we talk a lot about having freedom um, mm. in our lives mm. and I'm free, but, you know, the unconscious stuff about how media and fame infiltrates our minds every day. Like you can't walk down the street without seeing a a, a, a banner or a, um, or listen to the radio or something that is just infiltrating us. So yeah. I don't know. I think we're not here to crack the code but to ask people as they're listening, mm. do we stop for a moment and really take into account of what is influencing us and what are we choosing? Yeah. Great. And being mindful to it, you know, questioning it and um, being aware of what it is actually doing to you. Like, And I feel like it's super subconscious because it's it's such a regular part of our day mm. um, that it weeds its way in in a way. So these kind of conversations, I reckon, are real helpful. Mm. I get really... Yep. Sorry. No, no, please. No, apologize. Uh, Don't oh. you dare. <laughs> God damn it. I'm sorry. <laughs> um. I think it's really important for everyone to own their own boundaries. Mm. So I'm I'm really good at keeping my friendship garden tight and bright. Mm. So I have I'm very conscious of the people who I let into my heart and my life, mm. and I've learnt that through years of hanging out with the wrong people and learning mm. the hard way. Mm. And I think it's important to do that in our online lives as well and and just like you said, Jez, to have a consciousness and just to be really careful about putting boundaries down and drawing a line in the sand and going, cool, like that's not for me and I'm not cool or that doesn't uplift me or feed my soul so there's no room for it in my life. And and I think once you start being aware of those things, that's sort of what triggered me to stop drinking in the end Yeah. Um, because it was this whole, you talked, Em, about freedom and you know how people are like, well, it's my right. Like, if I want to get wasted, I can. Like, you know, feel free to get wasted, sure. But what I realize is that's actually like, that's um, behavior that actually um, puts shackles on you. And mm. that isn't, that's the opposite of what people think it is because they think it's like their own free right to go out and like do all these crazy things to their body and kill their brain cells and, and do and make yeah. really poor choices and then have the excuse that they were drunk and all of this stuff, all of these behaviours unfold because they think that they're making their free decision, but they're not because 
that that's the slavery there. So putting boundaries around stuff actually can set you free. It sounds like I'm contradicting myself. No, I think that's a really interesting point. Just to scope in on, I mean, A, I want to comment on the fact that you, I think you more than a lot of people have a great resilience to negative feedback, just being in the spotlight, because like even even recently, like one of my video that did really well um, on Facebook, um, it, I had a lot of positive, like 95, 98% positive, but the 2% being able to deal with that negativity you know, mm-hmm. and, and know the truth in it is not real for me, but and um, being able to, def- you know, be defensive and good on my own feet. I feel like you've had a long time of that, so you must have a great resilience to um, darkness in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, whether or not that's a skill you want to have, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think so because there's so <laughs> much knowing what's knowing what you're absorbing, you're a permeable being, and knowing the truth of what you're absorbing through ju- judgment, you've got to be able to um, see the truth in judgment. And, and I think I'm, if we're going to be really candid, I think I'm really good at putting on that front when I have to, right? And I'm also really good at being broken around the people that I can be when I need to be. So even though there might be this like really confident, got my shit together, can handle the weight of the world on my shoulders persona going on, um, there have been some terribly dark days and and I've allowed myself to break Mm. and and to get to those – dark places because mm. I think you, awesome. in order to rise up again, you've got to get to the bottom of the barrel, 100%. you know? And so I was always, I was like, man, if I'm going to be feeling this way, like let's get to the real crux of it. <laughs> let's Great. get to the crux of the issue and try and come back on top. So Brilliant. like, thanks for thinking that like, I'm superhuman. No, no, I don't think. I don't think. I, I think, I think you, 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 yeah, I, I don't think that's awesome. You identify that, um, and you are also still superhuman. Um, the, 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 I'd love to if you elaborated a little bit on the um, the freedom you find in setting boundaries because I feel like I, I, I just want to understand that a bit better. Yeah. So, oh, this is just something that um, I'm getting. Um, I'm getting a lot better at. So I think when I first started in media, um, in TV and, and radio and all of it, I um, very early on found myself saying yes to things I didn't want to say yes to. Mm. So I, I don't know, like I remember our publicist at MTV once was like, hey, like are you going to this, I don't know, opening of an envelope, apparently some really important perfume or – phone yeah. launch or some shit. <laughs> and I was like, actually, nah, don't really care. Like, don't need a new Blackberry. I'm good. Yeah. Um, my friend's having a barbecue that night. Like, I'm cool. And she's like, no, you have to go. I'm like, why the fuck do I have to go <laughs> to a phone launch or whatever? And she's like, because you just have to. That's your job now. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> my job is to be a VJ on the television. Yeah. And... But you're trying to tell me that I have to go to, like, some dingy pub in, like, The Rocks for four hours? Like, that's – you know, so I really struggled with that because I, I I ended up going to The Thing because The Thing was the most – it had to be more important at the time. So mm. I thought. Mm. So I think over years and years of being in rooms full of absolute dickheads, I've come to a point where I've realized I don't want to be in this room anymore and I'm not going to go. And so I've really pulled it back and unsubscribed to – the BS hmm. that um, – and I think when I was doing Sydney Breakfast, it it was it was a lot more difficult because you are invited to a lot of things, um, especially in radio, and people want you to endorse their products and they want you to be at this thing and go to this thing and, and do this charity event for free. And, like, everyone wants you to do all of these things. And, and I think unless you've got that um, – Ability to stand up and go, no, guys, this is not gonna, this is not good for me. If I'm not good, then I'm not gonna be good for you. So I yeah. just need some downtime. So I, I learned that over the years, and I think also that those boundaries around like work related stuff was only a very recent revelation when basically I got fired. <laughs> Yeah, right. And I was like, oh, so all of those things that I did to work my ass off for. Um, for this show to build this brand and this thing and do this thing means shit mm. because I just got told that my time is now done. 
I was like, well, I'm really glad a few months ago I decided to pull back on all that stuff <laughs> and only go to the stuff that I really cared about or mm. that, that really sat well with me. And that's, that goes as far as like, um, like com- reading commercials and stuff for brands. Like I've said no and I've turned down like I would say tens of thousands of dollars because it didn't sit right. And I'm like, I, I need to go to bed every night with integrity to know that I've placed these boundaries around myself to protect myself so that I can be good for my purpose here. Yes. So there's no point washing it with bullshit and, and getting paid heaps of money to do something that I cannot honestly get excited or be proud of. Like yeah. that's where it comes that's where it's sitting for me well, now. That's that's great. I find Amen. that really poignant. <laughs> the, the fact <laughs> the difference between someone that gets famous as something they're proud of versus someone that gets famous for fame, it's such a different environment or feeling. The Kardashians. We haven't mentioned them yet. But the integrity <laughs> oh, for... Can we just not? not. <laughs> the integrity you have in that, Maz, is... Um, is Brilliant. Like I reckon integrity is in it because you're in, you're in, you're in a spaceship or an environment that has so much god awful pressures and bad intentions. Um, mm. So to be able to protect yourself from that and realize them for what they are um, is fantastic. We, it makes it really um, easier to exist in it. Or? No, it makes it harder to stay in it. Yes, right. it actually makes it really hard because. I would There's, agree. I must be quite a struggle it's, it's now. It's so because it's yep. like, oh, I don't, I can't. I, I, it's I, hard I, I, to put into words, but like that. Okay, maybe the best way to explain it is to, to yeah. Here's, can I can I have a stab yeah. at it? Go for it. There's um. There's a thing in what I've been talking to a lot of people who have awoken, right? And there's like a spectrum, if you think about a line, that initially when they first start to learn or be educated about their own self-awareness or the things that are contributing to them, initially it's like, I'm going to stop watching, I don't know, television. And they stop watching media. Then the next step is I could almost clock it along the spectrum of people who start to awaken. Then they don't want to party as much mm-hmm. a little bit. So they stop. And then they maybe it's gluten. Maybe, you know, it's kind of like we joke <laughs> around about the intolerance to food. <laughs> then they want to start eating um, organic. Then they become yeah. vegan is one one end of the spectrum, yeah. yeah, which is well away from me. But I would say that I'm starting to think to myself, well, what is my environmental footprint when I think about eating mm-hmm. meat? Of course. So mm-hmm. I think... When you're in Have a you seen job. Cowspiracy? No, I hey, can't man, watch it yet. I can't watch it yet. Um, no, you've got to watch it. I will, I will. I'll get there. See, again, I'm at a different spectrum. <laughs> but I think that once you start to become very aware of what you yeah. value and not get caught up in the social constructs that have been placed on you, like through the media, you no longer want to work in jobs that are that you're doing it for your ego. You want to do it for your own true value and your own truth. And so that's why, to me, I think about you go, of course you don't want to be in that job anymore. You are just going deeper and deeper and deeper into your truth. Mm. Yeah, and it, 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 it and becomes more conflicting every time, you know, like when... You're not in integrity. Yeah, it's like, okay, cool. I, I, I It's my job to be good with me every day. Yeah. And, I, and the, the choices that I get given steering me away from that consistently in this industry and you know like and it's because of the the big companies and the brands and our education systems fucked and all and everything is a mess like the system is broken yeah. and so it's it's so impossible to sit in it and try and like sit with that integrity when there's no opportunities for the integrous decision. There's only opportunities for the more and the more bullshit. And unfortunately, people, most people have a price. And so somebody will honestly sit there and tell you that drinking a soft drink is good for you when it gets blood off the pavement on a crime scene. Like... (laughs) Yeah, Are we yeah. all losing our brains? I think <laughs> the answer is yes, Ryan. Oh, I, was just, I was just. I thinking. think we are. Well, hopefully, I'm not. But but that just does my head in. Oh man, I, I suppose then the biggest question is how can we? What, what's what is the answer? And how do you transcend that and stay in an uh, influential position? Because, like you said, it is important to to speak important words because <laughs> yeah. someone because right now the world needs healers and saviors and messengers it doesn't need yeah. more bullshit distraction it's true i think oh look it's that's a huge question but i think 
like my my contribution will be this. I'm I'm on an absolute mission to every day be the the best human that I can be and to um, challenge myself to be a better human. And I just hope that that light transcends and mm. the people that want to receive it, receive it. Mm. And I'm not really in control of the what. That's I'm so only good, in that's... control of the why. That's and so I good. figured out my why and I know my purpose and the what is for the universe to decide, which is why I'm Man, cool beautiful. for whatever is next, um, whether it's staying in radio, whether it's who bloody knows, guys? I might end up in India in an ashram. I don't fucking know what's going on. But I think once you establish your why and your purpose and your reason for being here, if you stay true to that every day, then um, those platforms, those mediums and those pathways, they'll come to you. I, I believe that's how it, it will work. I would agree. I, um, I run a workshop called Catalyst and um, it's part of Collective Potential's like main workshop nowadays and the reason I run it and I call it Catalyst because I literally s- deliberately do this. I sell people what they want and give them what they need when they come in the workshop mm. and I even laugh about it, you know. In Thousands have come through in the last couple of years when we're in there. I'm not afraid of saying that initially to someone who hasn't because when I get in the room and I say, find the thing that you want to change. What is it? Let's let me help you find the catalyst for change. And everyone comes in inside their head. They come in um, not quite sure where they want to go. And that's quite natural because we're being bombarded, right? list goes on. But I find myself at the end of the workshop go, and by the way, if you've come here looking for um, a magic pill that I can give you or my five-step process, yes, I could do that. But you're the catalyst Mm. for change. You have to be the one to decide that you're going to change or that you don't actually need any changing. You're just being bombarded with all these other people's beliefs and what is yours, you know, like I, re, what you just said then really called out to what I believe in. Yeah, I lo- That's cool because and you've got to be good with you, you know, like hmm. that's everyone's own job is to be good with you. If you're not good with yourself, how can anyone else be good with you? And hmm. I think that's why we're talking about media. It's like be careful of what you get, you get trapped in, right? Hmm. Be careful but know that it's, it's really exciting to – to understand that media influences you because now let's look at all the great media. Like the old um, structure is falling down. Like mm. here's the reward yeah. of going into yep. the belly of the whale, into the slaying yeah. of this dragon, this media dragon is YouTube, Facebook, all the social medias that we use. People are doing it with healthy media now. Like You can choose who you want to listen to. You can choose yeah. and you can see the greats and you can. there's way more – like Soul Pancake is one of my favourite things to watch. You know, it's like um, Chris Wilson, is it? The comedians put together all of these. Uh, this channel. Rain Wilson. Hey? Rain Wilson, that's it. Yeah, and it's all just conscious content. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I love cool. it. I also, I, I feel like it's a perfect place to wrap up um, what you kind of touched on, Maz, is that, um, because that's something I'm really struck by at the moment as well, like the just knowing what you're about and because we can't control the rest of it, like, I love that because it it gives me a tremendous sense of peace um, mm. and that the universe or the the absolute or the greater flow of life will take care of itself and trusting in it and surrendering to it yeah. and um, just having your own will conviction in things um, is all we can do and all we can definitely control. We are powerful in that sense. We can we can um, we can let whatever we want channel through us. So. Uh, um, I, I just think it's awesome. I love your story, Maz, and I love hearing it, and I love you sharing thanks. it. So, thanks, thanks a million, thanks, guys. <laughs> and if you, if you are, what was your why again? Can you tell me that? Um, oh, I forget. No, I'm it's kidding. The, no, it's to share stories. <laughs> yeah, to share. Oh, I forgot. To empower uh, people by sharing awesome stories. <laughs> and you, I just oh, fucking bollocks. I don't know. I can't remember. I can't remember. Uh, it's because I put her on a spot on the spot. But no, I she literally, did a joke. I did a lols, guys. A lols. I was been doing a funny. <laughs> <laughs> but I want you to know that I really admire what you just said then, and what you put out. And if you're in mainstream media, then you are having a ripple effect um, by just being that inside and getting people to be conscious of their actions inside the institutions that (laughs) carry it. So it is a responsibility. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, um, cheesy that it may sound, 
I think it's wonderful what you're doing and what you're putting out there. Mm. So thank you so thanks. much for coming on yeah. board. Um, oh, thanks, we've loved guys. It. So I, I, I've really been quite lovely. moved by how passionate you are, but if someone else is listening to this podcast and they go, man, she's so passionate, I want to hear more and I want to absorb that passion, <laughs> where would you like people to go to see your stuff? Um, I've just launched a web series um, and you can see it's called uh, Chatterbox and it's on Yahoo 7B. And it's sort of, I guess, I, I don't know, phase one of the why. It's actually me chatting to celebrities about their awesome stories. And so some of the guests I've had, I, we literally sit on milk crates in an alleyway. <laughs> it's awesome. really highbrow stuff, that. guys. <laughs> um, no, I do that intentionally. I actually um, like put Nellie Bassing's weight on a milk crate because I want everyone to understand that we're all human and we're all equal and that's where we start. And um and we have some really cool chats yeah, about yeah the Veronica's on as well didn't you they- yeah the little Ronnies have been on um I'm actually um one episode that's coming out quite soon is with Kayla Itzinas who um don't know if you guys know of her but she was named the number one PT in the world she's a chick from Adelaide she's got five point four million Instagram followers now and she just she's the epitome of empowering women to love the body that they're Great. in. Um, so yeah I've got some really cool guests it's something that I've actually wanted to do for a few years so that's um, I guess my love project at the moment that if you want to check out, um, you can do so. Can you Thank give us you. that address again? Um, email. Well, I mean, Google it. The, the, it's on just y- Yahoo 7B. Just Yahoo 7B, Chatterbox, Maz Compton. There you go. That's what I wanted. Chatterbox, Maz Compton, Yahoo 7B, B-E, as in be present. Lovely. Love Not you, Maz. Not B-E-E, as in be sting, because that's what I'm allergic to. Oh, fuck that. Although and you should interview a B on it once. Yahoo 7B with a B. And then just like, I know you won't be able to talk to it. Or uh, you could be on Yahoo 7B with a B. <laughs> and on that note, thank you all for joining us. Uh, <laughs> thanks so much, Maz. Thank you, Thanks, Maz. guys. 